Welcome back to another episode of the Hooper Came Podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. My name is Simon Osimo, and this podcast is about overcoming adversity, creating a positive mindset in our lives, and people that have found their true purpose. Now, my guest today is Akhtar Khan from London. Now, if you look at Akhtar's life, he's a multi-millionaire property developer and creator of a successful Reach in Excellence program. But behind every success is a struggle, and behind every struggle is a sacrifice. Now, Akhtar came from a broken home, and after much unhappiness, was renting an apartment as a teenager, and was shocked at one day when his landlord turned up, and his landlord was only a few years older than he was. Now, this sparked a passion, not only to enter real estate, but also the reinvention of his mind which led him to create that Reaching Excellence program, helping entrepreneurs overcome their own struggles in business. But before we get into today's content, can I ask you to do a few things? Please consider joining the mailing list to stay updated to learn more about what I'm up to and my guests, you'll find the link in the show notes. Subscribe to the podcast to help us grow so you don't miss a future episode and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow and it shares your appreciation of my guests' time and the stories that they share with you. Now, without further ado, please join me as we talk to Akhtar Khan. Well, Akhtar Khan, welcome to the Herbert Kane podcast. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having me with you. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you because I know you are a property developer from London, a business investor, a mindset and property coach, and you are the creator of the Reaching Excellence program. And I do have a love and desire for property. So I'm really excited to, to have this conversation with you. So, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And likewise, yeah, we've uh, we've had some good conversations, obviously property stuff as well. So um yeah, happy to share and uh, serve your your viewers today. Well, we really have. And one thing I would say is that, you know, this podcast is about overcoming adversity, creating a positive mindset. Um, and I feel that you've had most of those in your life and you've overcome those. So it's going to be really interesting for my viewers to tie in how you've been successful in business, but also how you sort of created your, your mindset. So maybe let's start with the Reach and Excellence Academy that you have. Just give us the elevator pitch as to who you are, Actara, and what you do there. Yeah, absolutely. So Reach, the Reaching Excellence Academy is really for entrepreneurs. So sometimes that's property entrepreneurs, that's uh, small business owners. Anyone who's an entrepreneur that's looking to raise their game, level up their, their business and their personal life, um, I help them within the academy to overcome a lot of the hidden obstacles that entrepreneurs face when it comes to actually doing the work and leveling up. It's one thing to know the theory, uh, and you know it's another thing to actually be able to put it into practice. So entrepreneurship isn't always like a, a straight upward trajectory. There's the ups and downs, the highs and lows. And the biggest thing that people, like the biggest obstacle people face is themselves, is getting over ourselves. It's getting over the stress, the overwhelm, you know, uh, leveling up your belief system because one thing that we have to do is in order to go to a new place, we have to upgrade our mindset. You know, the belief system that got you here isn't going to get to that next level. So that's in essence what we do. So as well as teaching people the other, the practical, the, the, the property stuff that, you know, the property strategies, a lot of the time what we do is we give people structure and strategies that actually, actually have to go and do the work, how to put it into practice. And that's what the Reaching Excellence Academy is about. It's not really about learning and giving people theory. It's about doing the work so you can um, 
you know, level up your both your your, your business back at your personal life as well. Because I say to people quite often, look, your business isn't the end goal. It's the vehicle to you living life on your terms. And that's what you need to see. So that's why it's important we do the work. Yeah, and it's interesting with you being a property investor and you know, property, multiple property owner, people must come to you and say, Actor, I want to be like you, help me be successful. But you're actually saying, well, before we get there, I need to talk to you about mindset and stuff. So, I mean, how, how do, do people, are they a little bit shocked at first when they say, hey, this, this academy isn't what I thought because you're, you're taking me mindset. I want to I I get property. I want to be rich. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, pe- people say, well, tell me the strategies. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And I say, look, first thing you need to do is go through um, the Code Reaching Excellence, which is actually a, pro- it's a program, but it's been developed out of my experiences uh, you know, the neuroscience as well, so it's backed up by psychology of what you need to do to implement. And I was chuckling because uh, recently we did a, a featured member interview with one of my students who came along and, you know, she 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 learned all this stuff. Then she realized, actually, it's all about mindset. Like, she used to say, well, why are you teaching us this mindset stuff? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And then it all fell into place. And she went, actually, now I realize why you're doing it. And this particular student, she's doing really, really well. You know, she's got several deals in her pipeline. Um, you know, all these deals are going to be done in creative ways where she's leaving very little to no money in the deal. She's probably recycling a lot of cash back out. And she's thriving. She's absolutely thriving. But it's all down to mindset. You know, people sometimes say to me, well, what, why, why mindset? And, and remember, it's a really broad general term. And I say to people, look, you can't download an app from 2021 and download it onto Windows 95. It's just not going to work. So this is why upgrading your mindset, your belief system, um, so you can actually go and do the work is so important. And so let's talk a bit about, so I want I want people to know some of your successes. So you are a multiple, multiple property owner. And we, we don't need to say how many um, houses you've got, but I think there's most enough for one for everyone in your family and some, some more, you know, so you're very successful in what you do. And people might look at you and say, okay, well, yeah, Actar's had it easy. You know, he inherited that from his dad or he got given that by his mom or he had all these opportunities and it just fell on his lap. I mean, maybe tell us a little bit about your upbringing as to where you were raised so people can get into context against your successes now. Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I had zero handed to me. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So I grew up in the East End of London. Uh, my parents were immigrants that came over in the 60s. and it was it was it was tough, you know. We we um, my parents got divorced when I was about five years of age, so I grew up in a single parent family. Uh, my father was pretty okay. He was you know he did well, but he wasn't ever around because part of his culture he'd go back to his home country and backwards and forwards. And his generation fathers were not hands on, and I was raised in a very stress, stressful, dysfunctional uh, single parent family. So my mum was in receipt of benefits, which I guess people in the US would call welfare. It was not an easy start. And to make matters worse, you know, my, my mom had a lot of her own challenges. You know, she was not, not only stressed out with, you know, r- raising five kids and they were all, you know, uh, me and my siblings, the age gap was very close together. She had her own mental health challenges as well. So she just wasn't available. So I, I kind of became the man of the house. I kind of had to take care of things. But growing up in the, that environment was was pretty challenging because, you know, it, if you if you don't know anything better, that becomes that's the norm for you. you. You know, me growing up in that environment, that's all that's what I thought was normal, but it was very toxic. So the problem with that stuff is it has an impact on your mindset, it has an impact on your sense of self worth and your self esteem. But you don't know it, you don't know it gets eroded. So grew up like any other kid, and then you know, although my parents were were separated for for a long time, they just they were like they were like cat and dog, and they were at each other for many years. 
and it all got to this big crescendo when I was about 14, 15. Uh, they decided to have one huge fight and try and you know, fight each other for custody of the kids. They dragged me and my younger siblings through this really bitter and messy uh, custody battle. Like we were in and out of courts and they were so busy having a great fight that they couldn't see the damage that they were doing. And, you know, I didn't really know how to handle that. So emotionally, I kind of went off the rails. So I was probably uh, how you don't want your 15-year-old kid to end up, especially a 15-year-old boy. So, you know, I went to a reasonably good school, but I kind of gave up. You know, I kind of lost lost my drive, really. Like, you know, I just didn't know how to deal with what was going on. So I kind of lost my drive at school, kind of started truanting, you know, eventually got kicked out of school. I didn't have no qualifications. I didn't have uh, any real skills. Um, my friends from school, you know, that peer group that I was in, kind of rejected me because I was now the dropout. Uh, and like, you know, it was like, where do I go? Well, you know, I, I kind of end up hanging around with all the other dropouts. So, you know, when you're around those people who are, are dropouts, in essence, their bar and their standards for life are pretty low. So the only thing we could do back then was just get into more trouble. So it was like, you know, go out, party, smoke weed, drink, you know. Uh, this was also like the early, like kind of late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, music, the rave scene, that was kind of what I did to distract myself. So um, I ended up getting like crap. I had no qualifications, so I got crappy job after crappy job after crappy job. I delivered pizzas for Domino's on a moped. I stacked shelves in a supermarket. I ended up uh, also like working as a waiter in a restaurant. I was kind of juggling three jobs. The problem with that was life was pretty grim back then. All my friends, had, you know, they'd long gone, they'd gone off to university, and I was kind of in this no man's land of working. And life was pretty low, it was pretty crap back then. So the highlight for me was going out the weekends. I was one of these people who used to work, have some money, then at the weekend go out and party. The problem with that was going back to the early 90s now, you know, part of the, uh, I guess the club scene back then was the early rave scene. So it was all the kind of house garage music. And being part of that scene, recreational drugs were part of everyday life. So before I knew it, I ended up, you know, getting involved. Ecstasy was my drug of choice. And it was just a fun time at the time. But it was also a time where I, I was really like trying to hide from myself, hide from the pain and numb the, the kind of crappiness of my life, you know. So I did that for a while, you know, and eventually I moved out of home. I had this really quite profound experience. I remember like moving out of home because that's where a lot of my problems started from. It was just being around my mom, my family, uh, being around, you know, the responsibility of younger siblings. So I moved out of home and I remember moving into this apartment and the letting agency, the realtor said to me, look, the landlord's going to come around and uh, pick up his mail. So I was like, okay, fine. So one evening there's a knock on the door and I open the door. Uh, and bear in mind, I was 18 years of age. So back then I used to dress with like baseball caps, you know, puffer jackets. I looked like I was from the ghetto. So I opened the door and there's this young guy there who's dressed almost identical to me. And he said, hey, I've come to pick up the mail. And I said, oh, you must be the landlord's son. They said, no, no, I'm your landlord. And I remember thinking, you know, expletives were going off in my head. How the F is this guy my, my landlord? And I was kind of, I was slightly triggered by this experience, but also ex like intrigued. I was like, how can this kid about my age be my landlord? Anyway, I got really pally with, with Andy, who was my landlord. Turns out he was a couple of years older than me. And what I found out was that He'd inherited some money, um, and then he'd gone and borrowed some more money from his father, went to auction and bought this property, which was a South London property at auction, bought it for about 20, uh, 20 grand. So this was 1992, bought it for, for 20 grand, went and got a mortgage on it, refinanced it, got 25,000 pounds back. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So he's got all of his money back out of the deal, plus a bit more to pay for his legals, and then he had the monthly cash flow. So by the, you know, I was so blown away by this that I made the decision to 
go out and become a property investor. Now, I later found out that Andy re uh, repeated this process five times. So he bought five properties, in essence, with no money left in the deal. And he was getting the, the, the cash flow from that. And the only reason he stopped was back then there was no buy-to-let type mortgages. So it was quite a profound experience. But even though I'd made that decision, it took me a long, long time. You know, In fact, it took me about 10 years to actually get on the ladder and do stuff. So people ask me, why did it take so long? Well, I carried on doing what I was doing, which was going around clubbing and partying and everything else. I did that for a long time until one day I pieted it a little bit too hard. I nearly OD'd on ecstasy. And it was at that point I thought, you know what? I've got to stop. I've got to leave this peer group behind. I've got to leave this whole rave scene behind. I've got to get my shit together, sort my life out. And it was at that point my mind went back to, well, you met Andy for a reason. You know, if you want to level up your life, if you want to kind of go forward, you need to do something different. And, you know, you're going to make money, you're going to grow, you know, build wealth through property. So at this point, I decided to leave that, you know, I cut people off, I cut the old peer group off. Um, you know, I, I just went teetotal, I didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't do nothing. And I went through this kind of phase of growth. And I, I realized something, I realized the peer group that I was around and successful people, there was one distinction between the two groups. And that was that successful people thought and acted differently. So I knew deep down inside, I thought I was a reasonably smart guy, but I was doing some stupid things. But actually, I just need to shift my thinking. So I made this decision. And at this time, I also started to read up on positive psychology. I started reading up on like mindset. I started reading and studying things. And eventually, it was about a year later, I managed to buy my first property. So I got my first property and got my, myself on the ladder. But it wasn't quite enough to like, quit my job. It wasn't quite enough to get where I went to be. So that was the start. But alongside that, I was on this journey of personal development. So I studied, started to study things like uh, neuro-linguistic programming, uh, hypnotherapy, um, you know, psych, uh, psychotherapy, transactional analysis, all these different modalities of psychology. And what I really wanted to do was find out why it taken me so long. Why was I going around in circles? Why was I stressed? Why was I overwhelmed? Why was I procrastinating? Because for that 10-year period, Simon, Okay, I knew what to do. I knew the models. I knew the people. I just wasn't taking action. I didn't know why I was doing it. A lot of this stuff was very, very unconscious. And what I found was during, during the time I was going through this growth, I managed to buy a couple more properties, but it took me eight years to buy three properties. People say, well, why was that? And it's because I was using a lot of the conventional vanilla strategies of doing things, but also it took me a long time to get my mindset in the right place. And then it came to about 2010 where um, – I'd got to a point where I was now a coach. I was coaching people. I'd learned a lot of psychology. I was kind of in the corporate world, uh, doing a bit of business coaching, uh, working with executives. And I had an experience where a close family friend died. It was really, really sudden. By this point in my life, you know, I'd settled down. I had my first daughter. And that experience was quite harrowing because I saw the impact of, you know, my friend's family. Like I saw the devastation of her husband and she left behind three young kids. And that opened up a can of worms for me because I remember thinking, wow, like this is these kids have just lost a parent, you know, they're going to be feeling abandoned. It just took me back to my childhood of not having two parents in the home, right? But I remember looking at my life and thinking, well, what happened to my partner if anything happened to me? My daughter was two and a half years age, of age at the time. I remember thinking, I haven't done enough, right? I haven't done enough. I haven't built enough. I haven't created enough and I haven't built enough wealth for my family. And that kind of spurred me on, you know, it was a really dark place for me because you start to question life. When someone around the same age as you passes away, suddenly it's at that point you realize how precious life is. It's not a dress rehearsal and you start to question your mortality. You're not as invincible as you think you are. So that made me kind of question, what do I want out of life? What do I want for my family? What do I want to be 
um, giving them and what do I need to be doing? And although I'd done some stuff, although I was, you know, at this point reasonably successful as a business coach and mentor, um, I was also, you know, at a very small portfolio of free properties. It wasn't enough. So at that point, I decided to join a property mastermind. And I learned all the underground strategies of buying properties, all the clever ways of doing things, finding distressed sellers, um, you know, creative types of contracts, buying portfolios. And I learned that stuff. Whilst I was on that mastermind, what I was also doing was leveling up my mindset because every time I procrastinated, every time I came up against some resistance, I worked with mindset coaches to get myself out of my own way. So it was almost like a journey of learning how to do property, but also learning how to level up my mindset. Because for me, the cost of not doing it was too great. It was almost like a life and death scenario for me. If I do not build this wealth, if I do not give my family what they need, they're not going to survive without me. And that's not an option. So failure wasn't an option for me. So that's what I did. Uh, fast forward like 12 months into being into that mastermind. I had entered the Better Your Best contest. Now, at the end of the year, there was like 60 people that was on that mastermind. Nine people had joined the Better Your Best, had entered into it. I think there were seven people that had done one property, that bought one property deal. One person had bought two, and there was this other person that had bought um, uh, nine individual properties, a portfolio of 12 from a distressed landlord, and they also set up two letting agencies, one in London and the other one in Kent. And you guessed it, that person was me. And people say to me, and I'm not saying it to brag or boast, people say to me, well, what was the difference that made the difference? Why was you able to do more? Did you have more money? Did you have more skill? No. It was me getting myself out of my way. It was me up leveling up my belief system. Every time I got to something, I found myself procrastinating, uh, you know, um, getting to a place where there was fear, getting to a place where I was feeling stressed out, getting to a place where I was feeling overwhelmed, getting to a place where there was that imposter syndrome kicking in, thinking, who's going to take me seriously? Why are they going to do a deal with me? Uh, what if I look stupid? You know, the other thing was shiny penny syndrome. You know, whenever things got uncomfortable, guess what? I wanted to go to the thing that I thought was easier. So in making sure that I pushed through all these things, what happened was I took my knowledge of psychology to a whole nother level. And that's where I kind of created this model. I had a blueprint now of what I had done so that I could like, you know, become financially free. So at the end of that mastermind, I literally was financially free. I had a six figure income coming in from property. I did property for a little while longer and I was able to retire at the age of 37, which was a great thing for me to do. And what did I do? I spent time with my family. By this point, I had a second daughter. So really, it was this experience of going through this mastermind and also be, being able to overcome every objection I had, every stall that I found, that was what created the model, if you like, of the code reaching excellence. And, and that was what I then started to teach a year later. So I won this mastermind. A year later, I was running my own mastermind. I had loads of people come to me because they said, well, what, what was it that was the difference? That was the difference. How did you do what you did? And it wasn't the property strategy. Strategy was 10% of it. 90% of it was mindset. And that's how the code reaching excellence was formed. So I was really interested to hear about your background, Ben. And one thing I'm fascinated about is um, through that story that you told us in that journey, if perhaps your parents hadn't separated and you hadn't gone through this adversity, do you think you'd be sat where you are today? Oh, absolutely not. You know, it, as, as much as it was a tough and painful experience, it was also the experience that shaped and molded me. You know, um, it's very easy when you're going through something or you're going through adversity to kind of hate the experience and go, why me? Why is this happening? I wish it was different, et cetera, et cetera. But in hindsight, when you look back and you, you realize how much you've grown from it, how much you've become stronger, how much, resilient, how much more resilient you are, and you look at the path that it's led you down, 
it, it's a blessing. That's how I look at it. You know, it's a real blessing because, um, you know, growing up in that environment, growing up in that kind of toxic situation, it's not just a case of not having that stable, that stable home. When you're in that scenario, it creates trauma. So, you know, part, part of the challenges that I've had personally and also a lot of people have is when it comes to putting things into practice in their business, their belief system is connected to their past experiences and sometimes it's the trauma and the painful experiences that create the fear in us to stop us moving forwards. So if it wasn't for that experience and where I was and me moving out of home and me meeting that young landlord, I wouldn't be on this path I am today. Property and personal development, which is kind of my unique thing. So, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I could have had a very stable upbringing, been, you know, happy. I could have gone to uni and got a job and been in a career. I might be happy. Uh, I might have had that experience, but I might be lacking, you know. I might I might have got to a point where I'm going, hang on, I'm fed up with my career. I don't have the job security I want. And I may, may have wanted to do something different, but I think this was the, the right path for me to go down. And I think it had to be this way. And one thing I find fascinating and interesting about your journey, you know, we sort of, you took us on, you know, you had a sort of very humble upbringing from a broken home. And then you had this interaction with this young landlord who had something that you, that you wanted. And I can say for my um, listeners that, you know, at the age that you are now, you've not inherited millions, you know, you've not been given everything. Everything you've got is through hard work and you're multiple, multiple uh, properties. But you didn't look at Andy and say, well, you were just given this money and then you've made more money out of, of the money. You tried to learn from a sort of a system and a mindset that, that he had. There's some people that just become, well, that person's been given stuff or I can't do that. Um, what do you think was different in your mindset that you wanted to learn from someone and not focus so much on, well, they have this and I don't, but I want to learn from them to become them? What, what, yeah. what made that? Where was that inside of you? Well, well, I think one of the things that I'm probably kind of wired up to do is well, how did someone else do it? And if, if they can do it, how can I do it? And it's more about the strategy. So I think when I met him, I was, you know, um, more like kind of blown away by this strategy, this concept that you can go to an auction, you, you can buy a property for less than what it's worth and remortgage and get your money back and, and, and then make more money. You know, that, that was the thing that blew my mind. So, um, you know, I was happy for him. Great, great for him. And great that he had, you know, the inheritance and it was great that he had, you know, his father's help. Not everyone else will be able to do that. But there's just a gap there. So the way I saw it is, well, okay, how would I need to find money? What, what could I do? And I didn't have the answers back then. But today we can do things like get investors or angel investors on board or you can get people to come and invest with you and, you know, work with them, joint venture and so forth. I just didn't know that stuff back then. So, so for me, it was like, wow, this is the strategy. And it doesn't matter, you know, what someone's, what someone's got or what they've been given. That, for me, the way I see it is sometimes when I see people doing that, well, it's all right for you, you've done this. Well, yeah, all right, I've done it, but here's the hard work, okay? Um, you, you can't help what, what hand of cards you've been dealt in life, but what you can do is choose how you play the game. So if someone has been given an inheritance, if someone's been given a head start, good for them, right? That's them. That's their journey. But where are you right now? And what can you do? Uh, if we if we kind of buy into that kind of narrative and those stories that we're telling ourselves, oh, it's all right for them. They've got this, they got that. It's a cop out, right? And it disempowers us. So we have to say, well, how can we do it? Okay. Uh, he inherited you know, some money. How can we go and find the money? What could we do? Can, how can we raise it? 
You know, what else could we do? What other? It's thinking outside the box, Simon. That's probably the best way to look at it. It's thinking outside the box and go, where's the solution to this particular problem? Yeah, and I like that. And one thing I'd say is that a lot of your program is based on, you know, you are a sort of a, a property millionaire, but a lot of your um, program is based on mindset. Someone can have a fantastic idea. They can be a very strong entrepreneur, but if they don't have the right mindset, the right program, they're not going to be successful. So maybe tell us about your reaching excellence program. Then I know there's sort of four pillars, four steps, uh, whatever you choose yeah. to call them, that you that yeah. you sort of educate on. Maybe take us through each of those four steps. Yeah. And you don't have to go into too much detail because I know you sell the program, but give, give us a yeah. snapshot though as to yeah. what people, people need to be looking at in life. Absolutely. So when it comes to entrepreneur, I developed a model which is based on my own experience. And also, you know, I've been coaching, mentoring people for a long time, and I just saw these patterns. And what I saw was what I call the four stages of entrepreneurship or the four stages of implementation. So you can apply it to someone's entrepreneurial journey or applying it to doing the work. So let's say you have someone who wants to learn how to grow a property portfolio. They want to have an online business. They want to do something, whatever the business is. They're going to go through four stages, and these stages are more psychological and emotional than anything else. So the first stage is called the euphorious phase, which is like, oh, great, I'm committing to this, this property strategy. I'm going to join this property mastermind. I'm going to join this course. I'm going to join this you know, uh, online, um, uh, you know, online business course or workshop, whatever it is. And what happens is people get, they get buzzed up. They get hyped. They get excited. They're like, oh, wow. It's a great place to be because it's you're, you're enthusiastic, you're, you're, you're hyped, you're buzzed, you're motivated, but there's a problem here. And the problem is at this point, you can get almost like a full sense of achievement just because I've joined this mastermind, just because I've done this course, just because I'm working with this person, we almost think that we're going to get, be guaranteed to get results. So that's the first phase. The second stage is what I call the epiphany phase, which is where they then learn the theory and then they go to put it into practice and the epiphany is, oh, shit, this is harder than what I thought it was going to be. Um, and this is when they start to realize there's gaps in their knowledge. You know, it's not as easy as the guru said it was going to be. You know, you then go out and you go and try to negotiate your first deal. And you realize, oh, I don't feel confident about this because I don't know what I really should be saying. People in this phase get met with what I call resistance. So what do I mean by resistance? Resistance is anything like stress, fear, overwhelm, being out of your comfort zone, having a crisis of confidence. Um, doubt kicking in, in that negative voice in your head saying, oh, I'm not sure this is for me or who do I think I am? Perhaps I should have stayed in my job or, you know, it's all that negative internal dialogue. Imposter syndrome, feeling like someone's going to find me out because it's very easy to say, hey, look, I want to go and build a property portfolio. I want to create some other business. You may have been an employee all of your life. OK, and then you're going to feel like, you know, in your, in your career or your business that you've got already, you might be top of your game and know what you're doing. But here you are now at the bottom of a learning curve, and that can bring up uncomfortable feelings for us. So this is the second stage. This is the epiphany stage. And this is probably the most difficult stage because people, especially anyone who's got an entrepreneurial mind, perhaps doesn't want to admit that that's how they're feeling. Entrepreneurs or people who want to do well, they want to, they want to feel like they're smashing out of the park. They want to feel like they're, you know, they're, they're on top of the mountain. They want to feel like they're kind of slaying it, killing it. But actually, this is the reality of what people go through when it comes to putting things into practice. And everyone's going to be different. For some people, this is going to be easier. For other people, this is going to be a really painful experience to go through. So what happens is most people, when they hit this place here, they don't know it because they don't have the skill set and they don't have the tools to navigate the resistance. So people end up being quiet. They end up feeling stupid. They end up feeling inadequate. Um, they sometimes blame the course or the mentor or maybe property's not for me. It didn't work for me. Or maybe this online business thing didn't work for me. 
but actually it's not that it doesn't work. It's just they haven't been able to execute it. So the next phase is the evolution phase, which is where people break through. So if people don't break through, they tend to go back to doing what feels comfortable because in the space of resistance, they're out of their comfort zone. You know, I've seen people um, like tell me how much they hate their job. They hate the nine to five. They can't, you know, they, they can't go on holiday when they want to. They can't take time off to go see their kids, you know, school play and all that kind of stuff. They come home late. It's causing tension at home. They absolutely hate the job. They then decide to go and do something property wise and go do a course. And then they're so far at their comfort zone that it's become more painful. And by contrast, all of a sudden, oh, maybe my job wasn't that bad. And maybe my boss wasn't that bad. And at least at least I got to like, you know, get money each month and I had a pension and we was able to go on two weeks holiday. They start to rationalize things. They start to rationalize the discomfort because they do number one, they don't understand this process. And number two, they can't deal with the resistance because it is uncomfortable or painful and no one's told them. They've been led to believe that if they come on this course, they're going to follow these steps, they're going to become a property millionaire or they're going to become an internet marketing millionaire or whatever it may be. It's not the case. So the next stage is people need to break through that. And how do you break through that? Well, the first thing is you need to have a really big reason why, a massive reason why, which is why I say to people, look, your business is not your end goal. It's the vehicle to get you from where you are now to where you want to be. So you've got to have a massive reason why to push you through the resistance in the first place. My reason why was, hey, I've got a family. I haven't built enough. I've got to do it. You know, it's not an option not to. So the, the pain and the discomfort was far less than the perceived pain of not doing it, especially seeing, you know, I just lost a close friend of the family. So the next phase is, is the evolution phase. Sorry, is the, is the evolution phase, which is where you start to break through. This is where you start to learn how to do things you start to learn because someone's come along and helped you to fill in those little gaps in your knowledge say this when you're closing the deal okay here's how to negotiate okay um you start to get that information that you need that, and you put it into practice and yeah you might make some mistakes but through practice you start making progress and then you start to get some wins oh great i found the right deal or you know this person's accepted an offer today i got a message from one of my mentees said hey look i've just did the direct to, to, to vendor marketing that you suggested I sent these letters out, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning. By 12 o'clock, someone phoned me up. I've actually got a lead already. I'm excited about it. So it's sometimes telling people what to do, how to do it, and they go and do it. Then they start to get the feedback that it's working. It builds their confidence. It builds their self-belief, you know, and they build up from that. So at this point, people start to get some wins. They might get to do one or two deals or two or three deals. But it's very easy at this point to hit a plateau and not go any further. And the next phase is what I call the excellence phase, which is really having a deeper understanding of what these psychological and emotional blocks are that we have, but making excellence an attitude. So it's something that you do every day. So you're not looking at things and going, well, yeah, I've got two or three properties and I'm all right with that. I'm, I'm comfortable. You start to question yourself. How can I improve? How can I do things better? How can I scale my business? And it's at that point there that you, it becomes cyclic and you build up some serious momentum in your business. And that's essentially what I did. When I kind of got, got my success, when I went on that mastermind, you know, I was working and learning through my, my property mentors, but I was also learning and working with various different mindset coaches to help me to overcome the things that were stopping me. That's how that model gets put together. So when people see this, I've had so many people that have come to me almost close to tears because they spent like tens of thousands of pounds with mentors and they did this program and then, then they were told they needed the next program, then they upsold this, that and the other. And before they know it, they've done tens of thousands of pounds and they're heartbroken at the end of it because they feel like they've got all the knowledge they've invested, but they don't know why they haven't got the results. And it's because of this particular model. I've sat down with people and said, this is what's going on. And they go, oh, wow. 
So we're stuck here. We're stuck at the resistance phase. Yeah. You know what to do. You know all the theory. This is how you need to get over it. This is the things you need to do. This is this is you know this is how you're going to get over it. These are the steps and stages to get through this stuff. And also just letting people know that this is normal and that this is okay lets them off the hook. It lets them off of feeling bad. It lets them feeling off like they're failing, they're weak, they're stupid. You know, it gets all that story out of the way and it allows people to kind of get to a place where they're learning, almost like you know how children learn, right? Children learn, they make mistakes and it's okay. It's a safe environment. And that's what we do inside the academy. We pro provide people with number one, the understanding, but also letting them know that this is normal and natural. And when I explain to people, I say, look, I, I've got people that work with me. I've got people who've got nine to five jobs that want to build a portfolio. And they're just doing this to come out of, you know, come out of their, their job or they're looking to, to build a pension or they're looking for some other source of income for job security. I've also got a client that owns a bank. Him and his family are very wealthy. They own a bank. They're based in Dubai. And, and completely different upbringing, completely different set of circumstances. But guess what's universal? As he's growing his business, he's going through the same four stages of entrepreneurship. He's coming up against the same challenges because if you're a human being and you're trying to get from point A to point B, this is the stuff that you're going to go through. So that's how I create that model. This is what I teach people. This is what I teach people to all people of all walks of life. And this is also something I'm really passionate about sharing because if you think about what's gone on over the last 12 months with this whole pandemic, there's a lot of people out there right now that want to build something else. They want to build wealth. They want to build a portfolio. They want to have a sideline business because there isn't the job security they thought they had. But the thing that's stopping them is understanding this model. You know, it's fear that sometimes stops people. So once you understand this model, you've got a route map as to what to navigate and you understand what's, what's going to come up. It just makes navigating that entrepreneurial journey way more easier. And isn't it interesting, but I asked you earlier about would you be the person you are today if you hadn't had so much adversity because um for in life you're going to have struggles there's a question as to how you move forward through them so part of you educating entrepreneurs is talking to them about those times when you're going to going to fail and how you pick yourself um, back up because obstacles that you have to move through in life they're inevitable you know they're, they're gonna gonna be there so it's fascinating you did that so i guess as you sort of look to sort of start to wrap up what are some of the sort of biggest and most important life lessons that you would say that you've learned today? Maybe give me your one biggest life lesson that you feel that you've learned. It, it really, I think the biggest life lesson that I've learned is that our external reality is really a reflection of our inner mentality. So if, you, if you're not where you want to be in your life, if you haven't got the things that you want to have, okay, whether that's wealth, whether that's a property portfolio, whether it's a business, whether it's a family, relationship, kids, it's normally a sign of what's going on inside. So the biggest thing that I learned is if we want to if we want to change and we want to manifest things, we have to change our belief system. We have to change our mindset. And that's what's been responsible. And I know we're talking here in a kind of a context around property and business, but this model that I've shared, the four phases of entrepreneurship or implementation, you can apply that to any area of your life. Most people want to have more. And really, it's all about changing your mindset and having the right beliefs as well as the skills that you need to be able to get you from point A to point B or wherever it is you want to go. That's probably the, been the biggest thing that I've learned in life. And I've, I've learned that the hard way. You know, um, a lot of the time where we've got this resistance, the resistance is caused by our belief system. It's also caused by past pain and past trauma. And when you go through this, this journey of entrepreneurship or you go through or people coming to the academy, as much as it is a journey of entrepreneurship, it's almost a spiritual journey of healing as well because you're 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 dealing with those kind of inner demons you're slaying the dragon so to speak that's holding you back so it's a hero's journey really so the probably the best the biggest thing i've learned in life is that our reality our external reality is created by our belief system our inner mentality 
And so my final question then is about resistance. If you look at your life, what would you say is the single biggest resistance that you've had to overcome? The biggest resistance I've had to overcome is my own trauma. Okay, that's been the biggest resistance, and, and here's why. So in conventional kind of coaching mindset, most people talk about your belief system, um, you know, generates your belief systems, generate your, your emotions, your emotions generate your actions, and your actions generate your result. The missing piece is your identity. You know, who you see yourself as, your identity, is what really creates your thoughts and beliefs. And it's not a subject that's touched on enough, I think, in personal development. You know, people, some people touch on it. But the key thing here is who we see ourselves as is really created by the life experiences that we have. So if you're thinking you know, when it comes to psychology uh, and the phases of development children go through, the first sort of seven or eight years of a child's life, they are like little sponges, okay? The technical term for it is a hypnagogic trance, which means they haven't developed consciousness. They're soaking up everything. And what that does is it creates the blueprint for life. If you look at it from an evolutionary psychology point of view, you know, our ancestors used to live to about 28, 30 years of age. So when a child is about seven or eight, you know, it's kind of a quarter away through its life. And it literally just has to download the skills, the understanding of how to survive in society. Okay. So it's a survival mechanism. One of the problems that we have is if you've grown up in a scenario and, you know, this is not to blame parents or anything, you know, sometimes we can have traumatic experiences and be in environments that are as toxic as that I was. But other times it can be in an environment where your parents are working and busy uh, and that can create trauma because a child, children are egocentric. So what that means is they, you know, they think the world revolves around them. And when things don't go to plan, they go, oh, it must be me. Mum and dad are working a lot and they don't want to spend time with me. Oh, it must be me. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not worthwhile. These are some of the core wounds that people have. And those core wounds operate your operating system of your mind. So when you trace everything back and you start to look through people's belief systems, what are the glitches that hold people back? It's their core wounds. And core wounds are normally attached to, or core beliefs are normally attached to painful experiences people have had. Sometimes it's one experience, or sometimes it's a repeated experience. And it can be little things like, hey, you know, I had to compete with my older sibling. I, you know, my parents were, were, were busy working. I spoke to a client of mine today, had, had a, uh, uh, a sibling that was very sick, so the sibling was sick, the parents' attention were always focused on that child, and this child felt left out, caused a core wound, caused limiting beliefs about self. And the thing is, all these core wounds, all these traumas that we have, they create a glass ceiling for us because they impact our self-worth and self-esteem and what we feel we deserve. The key thing here is, like, if you want to get to, the, to really, like, the root of what's, what's holding you back, it's going to be your belief system. It's going to be your self-worth. And it's all going to be dictated around the wounds that you've had. It could be for any reason, Simon. It could be that someone didn't like you at school because you're too short, you're too fat, you had the wrong color skin, wrong color hair, you spoke with a different accent. And all these little things create, create these, these glitches in our operating system that stop us from leveling up. So that's probably the biggest and most profound thing that I've had to work on to be able to level up myself. And this is something that we do inside the academy as well. We help people see those places and slay those demons, slay those dragons, so they can live their life. Well, Hector, you are a mind of information. You, you really are. I mean, there's so many good nuggets that have come out during this conversation. So as I sort of start to wrap up, it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you today. And if people want to learn more about your Excellence Academy or learn more about property, I know you're predominantly uh, UK-based, but what are the best ways for people to get hold of? 
Yeah, so just go to our website, reachingexcellence.com. You can find out some, you know, just reach out to me there. Uh, if you want to talk to me, there's a, a booking form that you can jump on a call with me. Happy to speak to you. Although we are predominantly UK based, um, we do I do work with people internationally as well. So, you know, if, if people really want to do the work and level up, doesn't matter where we are in the world. The world's a small place now. You know, we, we'd be happy to talk and happy to help you if we can. Well, Akhtar Khan, it's been an honor and a privilege. Um, you have an amazing day and I look forward to uh, more property tips from you soon. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me on here. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.